Sit down, strap in, and granny put your teeth in your pocket. Leap Lap Radio, powered by Victory Custom Trailers, starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Lap, presented by VictoryCustomTrailers.com. We'll tell you more about them a little bit later on. My name is Tom Baker, and this is a very special show. We're doing this a little bit differently this week, more of a podcast format rather than a radio format. And the reason for that is because it's our 300th episode. And uh, so as we reached this milestone, we wanted to just change things up a little bit and kind of make it more of a relaxed show. Um, We're going to have some asphalt, some dirt. We've got some interesting guests that we're going to be talking to in this hour. Um, And we're going to start with a young man who is one of the 2021 Kawiki driver development program finalists. Uh, Alan Kawiki, uh, of course, uh, honestly, if somebody said to me, who is your favorite NASCAR champion of all time, Alan Kawicki would be my choice hands down. And um, our very first guest is one of seven drivers who are um, eligible for this year's scholarship that the uh, Kawicki Family and Foundation uh, award uh, to one lucky racer. He's from Caledonia, Illinois. Uh, one of the finalists here, Max Kaler, is joining us to start our very special 300th episode of League Lap. Max, it's good to have you on. First of all, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about, take us back. How did you find out that you were, uh, that you'd been chosen as one of the finalists? Talk a little bit about how that all came about, because when you told me the story the other day, uh, I thought this is something that uh, the fans should hear. It's pretty funny. Yeah, so I got the call, and I was at school uh, watching film for football. And, you know, right in the middle of it, my phone rang. I stepped out real quick and answered it. And It's kind of funny. That was our first football game of the season, and we just got beat really bad. Oh, wow. And, you know, it was, they were kind of right in the middle of the big butt chewing, and I thought, all right, well, got no choice but to walk out. And I did. And, yeah, you know, it's just kind of one of those out-of-the-blue type of things. You know, they tell you, the time that they're going to announce it, but they don't give you any warning that you've been picked or anything. So it's kind of a, a nervous day of hoping that you've been picked and hoping you get this phone call. And, you know, once I got it, it was all my anxious thoughts went away and I was just so honored to be picked for this program and so thankful for the quickie guard development program for giving me this opportunity and uh, being able to race for Allen this year. So you were in, you were in school, you were, you would, it's basically a post game film review, or, or as you said, a butt chewing. Um, and, and you get this phone call. Did you know who it was when they called? And that's why you decided to walk out. Cause I can't believe that the, the coaches were entirely too happy to see you walk out in the middle of a butt chewing. <laughs> yeah. I kind of knew what the phone call was about. It was I forgot the state it was from, but I kind of had a clue that's what it was. So okay. I just walked out real quick. And, you know, once I came back in after the film session, I explained to him what happened. He goes, yeah, I would have walked out too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's awesome. So um, now tell us what that means exactly, what this means to be a finalist, and what does this do, um, what effect does this have on your 2021 racing season? Yeah, you know, it means a lot to me, and it means a lot to to my crew and everyone who has gotten me to this point. It's kind of a big opportunity for us. Not only, you know, financially it can help us out, but also it kind of puts us on the map and shines a light on us, per se. And you know, hopefully we can p- perform this year and now you're... do some good, and hopefully we can you know, get something accomplished this year and win the quickie cup. Now, you're, you're running, obviously, in the Midwest. Uh, tell us a little bit about what series what your schedule looks like for 2021 uh for those who aren't real familiar with some of what goes on over there in that part of the country yeah so this year we plan on running the alive for five super late mile series and that's five races at dell's raceway park here in wisconsin and we'll also be running the tundra super late mile series which is six races across wisconsin at tracks like jefferson marshfield the dells uh all kinds of tracks across 
Wisconsin. And, you know, hopefully we can get to some ARCA Midwest tour races. And now that we've been accepted in the Quickie Drive Development Program, that opens a lot of doors for us. And hopefully we can, you know, get a lot accomplished and win some races. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, now you, you obviously have some pretty steep competition over there. And I know that some of the series, the the Tundra series are, you know, is a very competitive series. You've got um, you've got a lot of competition. Tracks like Slinger, uh, Rockford, you know, tracks like that over there are very competitive tracks. Uh, what's it like to be racing in, in that part of the country? And will we see you at all, perhaps, you know, running more over on uh, the East Coast uh, here in the Carolinas at some point during the season? Yeah, well, the Midwest is one of the, you know, toughest and most competitive areas of short track racing here. And, you know, you got the Slinger Nationals, Joe Shear Classic, a lot of races like that. And tough competition, you know, Ty Majeski, Casey Johnson, a lot of big names around here. And, you know, maybe we can head south a little bit or head out east and go to some of those bigger races. And But we'll have to see about that. Talk a little bit about how you got started in racing. What what got you going way back when and how old were you? Give us a minute or two of your background. Yeah, so I started racing go-karts when I was eight years old. Before that, my dad raced uh, asphalt late models here at Rockford and at Jefferson some. Um, when I was 80, bought me a go-kart and built a track in my backyard. And I, you know, would run around there all day long and begged him to let me race, let me race. And he finally did. And <laughs> we did that for about four years and went all over the place here and won a bunch of races, won a championship. And then when I turned 13, he still had the late model that he raced. So he put that together and I went up to Jefferson and practiced all year when I was 13 years old and they weren't going to let me race. And then the final couple of races they finally let me and oh, i wow. won a, a heat race up there becoming the youngest race winner at rockford speedway and then the following year when i was 14 i ran at rockford speedway full-time uh, winning a feature race there becoming the youngest feature winner at rockford speedway and then i ran there in 2018 and 2019 and then this past year i ran the big eight late mile series winning the championship in that and uh, some super late model races, winning the National Short Track Championship at Rockford Speedway. And now here we are today and looking on to the 2021 season. And I see that uh, you're a starting linebacker on your high school football team. So uh, those of you who may race against Max, don't make the man mad. He's He might hurt you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, does, how, do, how do football and racing compare in preparation? Um, for me, racing is a lot more fun than football. You know, it's it's kind of a different aspect. You know, football, you have 10 other guys out there and you all have a common goal. Racing, you you know, when you're actually out there racing, it's you versus the track versus the car versus everyone else. And there's not much really to do except for figure out your car, figure out the track and do the best you can with what you have. Where football, you can make a lot of adjustments during the game and it's more of a I guess, team-based sport than racing in some sense, but racing is my number one priority. Okay. Um, and, of course, uh, you are one of seven finalists. For those who want to know who else is uh, in the running for this, uh, Wyatt Alexander out of Maine is one of the drivers that's, uh, that is in the running along with Max. And uh, Wyatt is a very strong young racer, 21 years old, Luke Finehouse, out of Wisconsin, 16 years old, uh, Luke is a another strong racer out of the Midwest. Um, you've got a, another Massachusetts racer, Ryan Kuhn, who's 20. Uh, Cole Raz out of Oregon, uh, 18 years old, is one of the finalists. Brooke Storer out of Land O'Lakes, Florida, also one of the finalists. And Brooke is 22. And then Dylan Zampa is the other one out of uh, Napa, California. So a good assortment of young racers, uh, anywhere from 16 to looks like uh, 22, I guess, would be the oldest. And uh, from uh, a variety of different parts of the country. So it's a very tough competition. When you're not racing, Max, what do you like to do and how do you prepare from race to race as far as as a driver? Yeah, so, you know, when I'm not racing, usually I'm working on the car or going to school. Uh, right now is my spring break, but uh, I go to school here at Belvedere North High School. I'm a senior, so it'll be my last year, and 
you know, I do all the work. Me and my dad do all the work on our cars here. And when I'm not doing that, I like to go fishing sometimes, and that's about it. Okay, so mostly uh, racing center. Do you do any uh, sim racing or anything on uh, iRacing at all? Any leagues? Any uh, preparation through those things? Watch film, that kind of thing? Yeah, you know, I do a little bit of sim racing here or there. I don't do a whole lot of it, but, you know, once the season kind of starts and I tend to do some during the week just to kind of keep myself, you know, in the racing sense. So talk a little bit about uh, what you hope to accomplish this year. What are your goals uh, and what what would you like to do if you could kind of stretch a little bit beyond the schedule? What would you hope to be able to do? Maybe a bucket list track or series or even a different type of car um you know in the next year or two what would you what would you like to do we know you're obviously your end goal is nascar yeah well so this year what i really like to do is run the full arca midwest tour schedule here um you know looking past this year you know i like to do some arca menard series races and stuff like that um you know a big race for me on the suplate mile side of stuff would be snowball derby obviously maybe go down the speed weeks uh just stuff like that big races and and stuff down south sounds good uh okay so i know you can't do all this by yourself so i'm going to give you two final questions here the first one is tell us about uh, who helps you make it happen and then the second one will be how can the fans follow you on social media? Do you have a website? All of that. All right. So all of our sponsors, um, we've got Channel 17, WTVO, Windsor Auto Sales, Retool of Rockford, Machinery Source, Mecham Auctions, Rush Power Systems, Don Carter Lanes, Cordray Brothers, All Pro Truck and Trailer Repair, Haas Builders, Dickey Staffing Solutions, Junction Auto Parts, Candlelight Chicago, Flanagan Orthodontics, Williams Brothers Plumbing, Mr. Goodwater, Hossie Fest, State Street Animal Clinic, Sips and Sprinkles, Boone County Shopper, Hammer Time, Gallano Trucking, Fair Fabrication, Area Services, Bell Rock Asphalt Paving, JP Electric, Boone County Transmissions, Jack Barnes Auto Body, Timber Point, Auto Clinic of Rockford, Balsley Printing, and Keystone Insurance. Wow, that's quite a list. Okay, uh, and, uh, yeah. and I hope you got them all in there. Uh, and uh, now tell us, how can the fans uh, follow you, keep track of you, website, social media, give us all that good stuff. All right, so my Facebook page, uh, it's Max Kaler Racing. That's where you can find all the updated stuff, where we're racing, when we're racing. And uh, my website is maxkaler.com. Our schedule will also be on there, and there'll be you know race updates, results, and that kind of stuff. Okay, and that's K A. H-L-E-R, Max Kaler, uh, 17 years old and one of the finalists uh, this year for what I think is as prestigious of an award as you, you could ever get uh, in, in the driver development phase of your career, the Kowicki Driver Development Program um, Award, and um, that it, it's $54,439 dollars is what is uh on the line here worth of um scholarships so you really want to uh work hard for that and i know that max will it's good that uh, you took some time to talk with us this week we appreciate you doing that and we look forward to following you as you uh get your season underway and uh hopefully we'll have you back on again after a win in one of the uh events that you're running yes sir thanks for having me on that is Max Kaler. All right. We hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Max Kaler. Of course, uh, Max uh, set for a big season out in the Midwest and certainly chasing that prestigious uh, Cole Wiki Award. Uh, want to very smoothly now switch to uh, talking some dirt track stuff as we are wont to do so often here on Lead Lap and on this our 300th episode uh, we definitely wanted to uh, bring back Walter Tapp to uh, help us with uh, that dirt track conversation a little bit a couple of big races going on uh, this weekend that uh, were both significant um and Walter, I know that this was one of those weekends when you wish that you could clone yourself uh, because the Blue Ridge Outlaws uh, had a big race and uh, you were actually uh, at uh, 
a different race at Mountain View Speedway with uh, the, uh, I think, what, the, what is it, the uh, Southern All-Stars or the American All-Stars? The American All-Star okay. Series. Um, yeah. We're basically a crate series yeah. based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, yeah, I really do wish I could have cloned myself. Um, of course, the Blue Ridge deal, I do it with another young announcer named Hunter Weaver. He, uh, We kind of split the series kind of down the middle, and he does races when I'm booked up and tied up with American um, with the American All-Star Series. And it works out really well. It's actually the second season that, that – you know myself and i have done that with me and hunter doing that and it's worked out really well it's opened the door for him to kind of transition into uh some announcing and broadcasting work on the uh, car side because normally he does a lot of go-kart announcing well it's uh hunter is very uh passionate he's a very passionate young man and he knows his stuff and i'm sure he's Really excited to be able to uh, break in and do some big car stuff uh, just for a change. Uh, and so uh, talk about each of those races. Let's start where you were, uh, since uh, that seems to make the most sense, at uh, Mountain View. Talk a little bit about uh, what went down there. Oh, well, of course, it was what well, was scheduled to actually be our second race of the season. We were technically supposed to go to Boyd Speedway in Rango, Georgia. I don't know if you got a chance to see some of the pictures that I posted Thursday yes, night there, I did. Tom, but uh, <laughs> it was the one that was underwater that you needed a uh, jet ski to get into the pits in the parking lot. There were waves actually in the pits. Yeah, I guess um, uh, not everybody finished their arcs in time to run that race. <laughs> No, no, you definitely needed an arc, but uh, (laughs) boy, just kind of set up right there on the river, and occasionally that does happen up there where the river will get out of the banks, especially if there's been a good two to three inches of rain the night before. Yeah. Um, And we had to reschedule that race for for, uh, September 17th, so that put us at Mountain View Raceway, a racetrack that really the series is still very relatively new to. We've only had one other trip there um last season in the month of august so we were really excited to go back to mountain view raceway if folks don't know about the speedway there it's in spring city tennessee it was closed for a good almost nearly a decade and the hampton family came back in there and redid the facility and spent hundreds and thousands of dollars to get the place to what it is now it's a an immaculate facility with basically everything has been completely rebuilt from the racetrack to restrooms to your parking. Um, they have a very nice, I want to say almost luxury like playground for the kids that has been built and has a privacy fence around it. Just a lot of great amenities and upgrades there at the facility. And it's also a bullring. It is a place where super lake models and lake model guides run nine to 10 second lap times around it. And wow. it's really banked in the corners, about 18 degrees of banking all the way around, really banked on the straightaways. Um, just to be honest with how much of a bull ring it is, we started 24 cars and by lap number four, the race leader was in traffic. Oh my, that is a bull ring. I love those tracks because there's always a lot of action going on. They never get so far stretched out that uh, there's not much racing going on. You, you, When you get to the, the tracks that size, Walter, uh, it's, it's basically like watching jet planes fly around a gymnasium. That's exactly what it is. Um, we had... A great, like I said, we had 30 cars actually signed in. We started 24 competitors, and we had, of course, our quick six dash. Brandon Miller was our overall fast times presented by Earl Ramey Racing Engines. Um, he went on to win the quick six dash as well, and then led every single lap of the main event. Wow. And what was impressive about that, this young man has actually has put in, he's ran with us a few times last season, but this is technically his first full season running for the championship and also the Warrior Race Car Rookie of the Year contention as well. And he put it in victory lane the first time out in 2021. Of course, he has a lot of great folks helping him out. Jesse Lowe helps him some. Also, Mr. Chip Vineyard with CVR Race Cars. Um a lot of great support on that side from CVR chassis. But I was very impressed with the young man who, honestly, he's one of those guys that we have that run with the series that are in, he's in the shop six, seven days a week. 
And then he works a full-time job about 50 hours a week, too. It's one of the things he pointed to in his interview. He said, without the guys that helped me, he said, there's no way I could do this. He said, I try to run a business and also try to race. And it's, you know, sometimes hard to manage the two. For sure. Yeah, that's incredible to to uh, to try to keep up that kind of a pace and then go run. But uh, that's what I love about a lot of the dirt track racers because – those guys will work 50, 60 hours a week at a regular job and then uh, go out and race or race two or three nights a week. And you wonder how they ever find time to work in the shop at the same time and get the cars ready. But uh, often you'll find that uh, the story behind that is, in fact, a very capable pit crew. And, you know, it sounds like that was the case there. Definitely the case there. Of course, well, he wasn't alone. You know, it's not like he took off and hid and left everybody. He had a lot of great challengers throughout that 40-lap Rocky Top Rumble event. Jaden Frame, of course, he is one of the drivers that usually you'll see on the Southern National um, Super Late Model Series. And uh, he was able to mount a couple of challenges, but him and Zach Seiss were battling for second position on a restart and got tangled. And that ended Jaden Frame's night. And then Zach Seiss was actually closing the in on him as well, as far as on Brandon Miller in the 89 with about 10 laps to go. And we came to lap 32 and you could just see the left front kind of sink on Seiss's machine. He went down into the corner and he had a flat tire. Um, he was able to get it back out and savage, you know, a top 10 finish. But it really, at that point, kind of just left things up to Brandon Miller to cruise on to victory with uh, one of the local favorites up there, Barry Goodman, who is a track champion at Mountain View Raceway, finishing second in our 2020 champion, Trevor Sice. Uh So a great opening event that we had over there at Mountain View, and I'm excited um, this year for the American All-Star Series. Of course, I want to thank our title sponsor, PPM Racing Products, and all of our great partners. Without them, we really wouldn't be able to do this. And I know we've got about 20 different partners. Um, You can go to the American All-Star Series page and check every single one of those out, and it continues to grow every single week as well with new partners. Um, Got Grassroots Sports TV that covers all 27 events will be televised this year. You just got to go and get their subscription. So that's another thing that we actually have for the first time. Our full season will actually be covered with a TV provider uh, for the American All-Star Lake Models. Wow. That's incredible. That was a huge announcement we made a couple of months ago at the banquet. Now, uh, where and when is the next American All-Star Series event? Oh, we will move on to uh, Tri-County Racetrack over in Brasstown, North Carolina. This coming Friday night, April the 9th. We'll be back there for our second ever trip. Unfortunately, in 2020, it was one of the racetracks in North Carolina that was not able to operate really up to capacity, so we wasn't able to bring the series in like we had originally planned. It was actually scheduled to be our opener in 2020. Oh, okay. And was eventually just pushed out completely due to uh, throughout that year, really Ray Cook and his team up there, because Ray Cook is the one that runs Tri-County Racetrack, along with, of course, the Schaefer Southern National Series. Um, he never was able to have more than a 50-cent capacity crowd until about october of last year unfortunately with everything going on in north carolina with the regulations yeah very very thankful to see that uh, things are improving rapidly on that front uh, in this area anyway and uh, we're thankful to god for that uh, coming off this very special easter weekend uh okay so let's talk a little bit then about uh, the blue ridge outlaws the race that uh, hunters saw Talk about uh, what happened with that race this weekend. Well, another great turnout for the Blue Ridge Outlaw Lake Models. You know, they've had three. This makes the third event on the season. They've been to East Lincoln and Carolina previously. Good field of cars, 22 competitors that were signed in down at Lakeview. I don't know, if Tom, if you've had a chance to go down there and see some of the stuff at Lakeview through your travels they have really turned that facility around that trip and a lot of great additions have been added another exciting thing for the blue ridge outlaws um this weekend was actually our first ever um event with speed 51 they actually uh 
came on board and joined the series as far as covering things at Lakeview. They have a great relationship with Alan Dietz. Of course, he's part of the Speed 51 fam, uh, family. So he kind of got that hooked up with Blue Ridge with us being there and this being a very big event there at Lakeview. So we were happy to have that for the first time ever in series history to actually have full coverage of everything of the event. We've had some, you know, folks come in and video here and there, but it not be actually – you know, you could see it the next day or yeah. something like that. It's not where race fans could have it live and, you know, on their television. So that was awesome for the series to finally get to that point. Um, it's a great race, honestly. Dustin Mitchell picked up the victory last night down at Lakeview and had a good field. You had like guys like John Eller, Mark Dysart was down there as well. Um, Robbie Bailey was in the house. Those guys have battled for the series championship. Greg Clark was down there. He's already a winner in 2021 with the Blue Ridge Outlaw Lake Models. And really, honestly, if you go back and look at some of the stuff that they've posted, they've got a lot of great stuff coming up down there at Lakeview. They've got an ultimate event that's actually going to be taking place this coming Saturday night. The ultimate super Lake model series will be there. So they're going to go from one big event to another big event. So it's really cool to see everything that they've got going on down there. Yeah, it sounds it. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because I mean, you've just hit basically three of the top late model series uh, in the Southeast, when you talk about the American All-Star Series, the Blue Ridge Outlaw Series, um, I mean, you've and the Ultimate uh, Super Late Model Series, you've got three right there, and those are just three of. They're not the only three. There are a number of uh, great Late Model Series that are, that are going on in this region. Um, really, we're blessed uh, to have so much competitive late model racing, but you've also got a whole bunch of modified series. If you're a dirt modified uh, kind of fan, there are uh, a number of those as well. Um, it really is amazing, though, how the series on the late model side have grown over the last two or three years uh, with with some new series coming on and really starting to get traction. The Blue Ridge Outlaw series, one of those um, that I think has really taken a significant step forward over the last couple of years. Well, and definitely this year, um, Rick Hendrick, C. Chevrolet, stepped up to the plate really big. Of course, they've been a huge partner with the Blue Ridge Outlaws. Uh, the points fund normally is a $5,000 to win points fund. It has doubled this year to $10,000 to win the points. Um, it is also the same way, actually, for the American All-Star Lake Model Series. It normally is a $5,000 points fund. It was doubled due to some help with some new partners that came on board. Um, PPM stepped up what they have been doing as well to kind of make things add up to that $10,000 points fund for them. But what was significant last night, two other series we haven't touched on yet that were late model racing as well, you had the Ironman Valvoline series that Chris Tilly runs in a conjunction event with the Schaefer Oil Southern National Series that Ray Cook runs at Taswell Speedway for the Bill Crom Memorial, which was a $21,000 to win wow. event. Uh, presented by Knoxville Toyota right there out of Knoxville. They've always been a great partner with Tazewell Speedway. Jonathan Superman Davenport went on to win that event, but you had 24-plus cars at Tazewell, and you move over to the North Carolina side of things at Friendship Speedway, and you had the Carolina Clash Series running at Friendship for a 5000 to win payday, and they had 24-plus cars as well, along with, of course, the World of Outlaws running up north. So for me, it's amazing to see these super late model series that are out there and running in different regions like North Carolina, Tennessee, and, of course, World of Outlaws was up in Illinois. And the Southern All-Star Series was running at Patriot Park down in Georgia and had a great car count as well. So... Everything really, it seems to be thriving in the world of dirt racing, no matter what side of the fence it's on, whether if it's modifieds, late models, crate lake models, uh, Blue Ridge Outlaws. Of course, there are multiple engine combination package that you can run with them. Um, you know, there's a lot of series based out in Tennessee that have put some schedule announcements out, like the uh, Topless Dirt Lake Model Series. They actually put out their schedule on Friday 
and they usually run from May to about the end of September. They have 19 races this year for them. That's a significant amount of races. Yeah, it is. More than normal. They normally only run about 12 to 15 events. It's incredible. I mean, this is a, if you're a late model manufacturer or business that, that services late model racing, this is a, this is a great time to be, uh, uh, be doing business in the southeast region for sure. It's amazing to me. Um, as the series multiply, it seems like, I mean, in the past, I think what we've seen is that you tend to get sort of a split field. I mean, if there's a series running over here and a series running over there, you know, they each get 14, 15 cars, 16 cars. But now you're talking, you know, 20 cars plus at almost every one of these races, which tells me, that the thirst for dirt late model racing, whether it's a crate late or a super late or a topless late or whatever, um, is very, very high right now in the region. And that's uh, that's pretty awesome. The The dirt tracks in general, it seems like, have gone through a bit of a uh, a growth spurt with some tracks like Mountain View coming back to action that have been dormant for a while. And then, you know, you just look at the uh, the modified landscape. You got three or four of those series, um, you know, plus, of course, just all the weekly racing at the various dirt tracks. It's um, it's it's pretty incredible how this the dirt track racing in the southeast region in general has really just uh, grown by leaps and bounds over the last uh, two or three years, it seems. Yes, um, you know, a lot of that, Tom, has to do with scheduling. You know, before people would schedule and they would have, I, I tell you, what doesn't work is having two Super Lake Model Series within 100 miles of yeah, each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, like this weekend, everybody was spread out far enough where the fields were able to be super competitive and have good cars and really have a great field of very top-name drivers in each one of the respective series. Um one of the things that impressed me last night, you know, with us being based out of Knoxville, Tennessee, with the American All-Star Series, we go to East Tennessee a, a lot. Yeah. I go there probably 10, 15 times a year. And there was four racetracks within an hour and 45-minute period of each other last night running. You had Warbird Speedway running last night, I-75 racing as well. Mountain View Racing, and, of course, Tazewell. All the four of those tracks are within about an hour and 45 minutes of each other. Wow. And three out of those four tracks had over 100 cars in their car count repertoire for the evening last night. I was amazed and blown away by that because I have some really good friends that work at those facilities, and we were all kind of texting back and forth throughout the week, kind of wondering who was going to be the one that may possibly have the short end of the stick. And nobody did. There was plenty of cars to go around. And, you know, two, three years ago, it was not that way. And it really seems that people are getting back to racing in the dirt side of things, especially in these lower divisions where you have economy classes and your working man can afford to go racing on Saturday nights now. You know, that's really uh, a big key, too, I think. You're seeing it even on the pavement side where you're starting to get some of these classes that, um, you know, they're they're offering uh, discounts on tires or different types of things. You're you're starting to to see some of those divisions start pick up, pick start to pick up car counts, um, you know, in different uh, parts of the region, too. And I think the uh, the lower you can reduce the cost of competition, the cost to attend the race and compete in the race, um, you know, the more, the the better off you're going to be in this day and age. And boy, it sure seems like some of these tracks are doing a nice job of that in in their lower divisions. And sometimes the lower divisions put on the best shows, the street stocks, you know, your your four cylinders or front wheel drives, whatever they they call them at the particular track you're at. Um, you know, those those types of cars uh, sometimes put on the best shows of the night. So those guys work just as hard as the. Uh, the bigger late model and modified guys do, and they get uh, way too little credit as far as I'm concerned uh, for the for the type of effort they put in and the type of racing they put on at times. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, we talked all about the uh, 
course, the lake model side of things. I cannot forget to mention, you know, of course, the big shows coming up um, here, not this weekend, but next weekend on the 16th and the 17th over at Carolina Speedway for the Mid-East Modifieds, Mid-East Street Stocks, and Mid-East 602 Lake Models. They've got a huge show that's going to be a two-night deal up there at Carolina that could possibly be paying up to $25,000 if a driver can come in and sweep all three Mid-East divisions. And there's several drivers that, you know, kind of go back and forth that have that modified, that have that street stock, and have uh, 602. There's about 9 to 10 drivers in this area that have the availability to, you know, have those types of cars. So it's going to be interesting to see if anybody can pick up that bonus that's been put up. And that will be an event that Pit Row TV will be covering. Um, That's the one thing, too. Like I said, there's so many options out there when it comes to television coverage now, too, for these guys. And it's really starting to, I believe, funnel some of this money back into the sponsorship side, into the payouts, into the racetracks, and everybody's kind of just raking the benefits from it on every side of of dirt racing right now. Well, you know, I've said for a while that uh, if, if somebody could figure out how to do the digital television package thing right, the online streaming thing right, uh, and do it well, and, you know, keep the cost reasonable for the fan who wants to watch it, that uh, you would see that start to really make an impact on numbers in short track racing. And it seems like, again, over the last uh, two or three years, of course, Speed 51 been doing it a while. Pit Road TV is really uh, on top of their game right now. You've got, you know, Flow TV. You've got, you know, a number of different uh, race boys. Um, you know, I'm probably missing two or three even in our own region because they keep popping up all the time. I was um, about to say, they just keep coming. There's, you know, every single time I turn around, there's two or three new ones. Which is great because, again, I think this is what's going to make the difference now. The the um, Again, it's a matter of, you know, the cost of entry. So if you're a track owner or you're a series owner and you want to have, you know, digital television coverage, you want somebody to live stream your event, you know, the costs are starting to come down a little bit and, and get to the point where it's, it, it's becoming very affordable. And then the key, obviously, is to promote it properly and uh, build up your broadcast. But it makes a big difference if you could get a few hundred people. That's really all it takes. Just, a, you know, a few hundred people watching your, you know, your, your stuff every week. And then, you know, once the race is over with, it's still there and then you what you get is you the 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 teams that were participating at the race will go back then after the fact and they'll tune into the broadcast because of course you can't watch it while you're actually on the track racing or at the track crewing or whatever um and so you know those numbers can end up being you know pretty pretty sporty numbers in some cases uh depending on it's been really cool to see the evolution of that um over the last couple of seasons to where we're seeing more and more of the series even like you know your series the american all-star series and and uh you know some of the other series that are able to now get connected and get um you know get things going and join that kind of live stream uh evolution that's going on it's it's uh it's really good especially i think for the dirt track side of things but really any form of racing any track any series that wants to do it um you know again you can you can uh make that happen now for you know for, for pennies compared to what it used to cost and so uh the more the more new companies that come in uh, that are able to do this sort of thing, um, you know, the better it is for the racer and the team and the fan and the track and the series all the way around. Everybody wins. Yes, everybody's winning. And one thing that I have seen, Tom, and you're you're a smart businessman. I've you know we've known each other for very very long time, um, and we've talked about this before several times and had a couple of in depth conversations about it. And I'm seeing this actually translate with the tv side and the tv numbers these race teams are using it as a tool oh yeah to funnel sponsorship dollars into their teams. sometimes too they're using it as a marketing strategy 
say to you know hey we're going to have so many races that we're going to be on this uh streaming platform your business is going to be plastered like a billboard for a hundred laps out on the racetrack right and it's working i actually last night um went through and looked at a couple of different you know sponsors that are normally on the side of these cars and this is my third year for the american all-star series working as their announcer and i mean i keep up with the sponsors on the side of everybody's car and we we you know we have some guys that come in and out of the series but we have a good core of about 15 to 20 drivers that follow us to basically every single track that we go to and run for points and i tell you from year one to year three it really seems like the sponsors are coming on board i see more and more places where there used to be just blank corner panel there's not enough spots on some of these cars because they've got sponsors everywhere they can put one right now. And I talked to a gentleman last night, uh, our former series champions, and he said that, yeah, he said that was one of the new sponsors that they had on the right rear quarter panel. They used it as a marketing tool saying, hey, look, all 27 races are going to be televised, going to be on a streaming platform. You're going to have so many faces that are going to be at the racetrack and see it. Always a plus. But now you have this as a plus, too, for your business. So it's, it's, like I said, it's amazing to see the growth of that as well. And some of these drivers really, you know, starting to use a lot of that as a marketing strategy to help promote their own career. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, again, it's good for everybody. It's good for the series. It's good for the tracks. It's good for the teams. Uh, and it's good for the fans because it's almost to the point now where you've you've got too many choices of, uh, you know, what to watch on a Friday or a Saturday night. But it's if you're someone who has an interest in, in a particular series because maybe someone that you know is involved um, or as, as you point out, if you have a business that's uh, sponsoring a car, you know, the, to be able to watch that race, uh, you know, even if you can't get to it, to be able to watch it and see your car going around the racetrack and actually see the proof of what that, you know, that driver, that team owner was talking about when uh, he approached you about the sponsorship is a pretty big deal and uh, so, again, I think the evolution of, you know, the the aspect of live streaming, um, whether it's video or audio, but the video is becoming so much easier now. And the technology, the the uh, the ease of kind of, you know, onboarding into that is is um, so much greater than it was even a couple of years ago that uh, it only makes sense for a series to do that sort of thing, because. Um, the returns can be exponential. Um, so yeah, all of that's great. And, uh, it's great to see the health of, of the, the dirt track racing in the area. You know, last year, I think the dirt tracks actually, uh, in a lot of ways weathered the, the whole sort of, um, you know, COVID, uh, uh, you know, shutdown and, and, or, you know, lockdown and, and once everything started to open up, I think the dirt tracks actually weathered that in some ways better than the paved tracks uh, in the region last year, uh, you know, in the, the summer and fall. Yes. And it was, it was, everybody had that deal last year where things shut down for so long. Yeah. Um, and for me, I mean, you know, last year it was almost, I don't want to say like a game, but it was literally, we would go and as a series, we would look and be like, okay, we're going here. What number of capacity can we have? And, yeah. you know, as the series, you know, it went on, things got open, things got more open. Um, and it's, you know, like last, last night, it, things were very, very open there in Tennessee. Tennessee right now is doing very well with their numbers. Um, I'm happy to see some of the stuff in North Carolina because, you know, North Carolina last year is one of the places that a lot of series, unfortunately, didn't get to have a lot of races in. Yeah, that's for um, sure. And it really put a hurting on some of the series. I know that some of the series even completely canceled their seasons or short, shortened them to, you know, about half yeah. the races that they normally would have. So everybody this year looks like, there's maybe going to be a few races that might get lost early on in the season, but especially once I believe we get into summer, we get vaccinations going. I think things are really going to start kicking back up the way that they should. I mean, I'm 
very proud of my wife. She she is a government employee. She's vaccinated already. Um, took both the shots and you know they're working five six days a week sometimes just yeah. to try to get appointments and people in and making a really big effort to try to get everybody um you know especially here in my state of south carolina of getting everybody ready to let's get this back to normal absolutely uh okay so this is uh uh as this show airs this is april the 5th um Talk about what's coming up on the dirt track circuit in the region here. Give us a few of the highlights that uh, we should be paying attention to over the next few weeks throughout the rest of the month of April. Well, it's a great month in April. If you're a race fan, you know, all your local tracks completely in this area of South Carolina are back up and running. Opening night was last night at Lawrence County Speedway. Racing action was going on at Cherokee Speedway last night as well, part of their weekly program. Um, Traveler's Rest Speedway was racing and had a great weekly program with a 1,000 to win 602s last night. Devin Morgan took the victory in that one. Um, Harris Speedway actually had a double show. They ran Friday and Saturday and going to be back in action once again. So the local tracks are back going as far as some of your big series in the southeast region that are going to be in action this coming weekend. Of course, we highlighted earlier the Ultimate Series. They'll get going um, down at Lakeview for their first event that they'll have actually in 2021. And also, you'll have the Southern National Series. They will be at I-75 Raceway in Sweetwater, Tennessee. Um, that is a track that has been reimagined, has new ownership, and the racetrack has been redone, a new layout. They actually had their first event on it last night. So you got two big Super Lake models, and over at Cherokee, I believe they should have the USCS. The sprint cars are coming to town at Cherokee this coming weekend nice. with Pete Walton and all of his fine folks, too. That should be fun, and uh, it. You know, I, I I listened to you talk about what's going on in Tennessee. How many tracks uh, is that that's uh, that have been revived in the state of Tennessee that are back uh, to racing action now? Great to see the volunteer state multiplying so quickly on the dirt track side over there. Um, there's plenty of them, you know, you had, what was I-75, they've been back reopened for several years now, but they were a racetrack that actually used to be called Murphy Speedway and was a big, huge, fast, almost close to a five-eighths of a mile facility. When you go into it, it actually, you think you're going into an NASCAR track. They have huge, nice walls around the outside and big, huge catch fence from the original racetrack when it was built in 2006. And then it lasted to about 2012, 2013. It shut down, actually, for about four seasons. And they came back in and built the racetrack inside the big racetrack. They put basically a three-eighths of a mile facility inside what used to be the five-eighths. Nice. Um, up there in I-75. Of course, like I said, Mountain View was closed for several years. They came in and spent thousands there to get that facility back up and going. Um it was announced a couple of weeks ago there was some uncertainty up there at Volunteer Speedway, and it was announced that they'll actually be opening up on April 24th. Oh, good. I their season that. opener and be back up and rocking and rolling again. So that made everybody feel great because that would be one we don't want to lose in the state of Tennessee. It's no. one of the biggest tracks that's there. Um, you got 411 Speedway in that area as well, Wartburg Speedway in that area, all those racetracks kind of in that little East Tennessee corridor along with Smoky Mountain Speedway, which is really a big event speedway. They run about 12 to 15 big shows a year, and there's a group actually there of those tracks. They've all got together and kind of got on the same page and are finding ways to – work together with each other like taking divisions and saying hey we're not okay you've got limited lake models you're paying them this this week we're going to take them off our card we're going to put our money in another support division and y'all guys take that division off of your racetracks card and i'm seeing a lot of that they really got together last year and about six of the owners of the awesome. racetracks in that area came together and said guys it's time to stop beating our heads up against the wall and you know 
trying to just snuff each other out. Let's find a way for it's all all of us to be profitable and not go head to head. And to me, it has just been the best thing I've seen in a long time because that's one of the things that some of these regions that I go to kind of struggle with is, well, they're doing this. Well, we got to do this. Everybody's got to keep up with the Joneses. Sometimes that is the worst enemy of yourself. Well, it is. Yeah, because all you do is split your field and then you split your profits. That's basically what happens. And so that's great to see that, uh, those tracks are doing that sort of thing because, again, it, it everybody if everybody can can make a little bit and and uh, kind of help each other to to keep going, that just draws more cars into the region where you know when it's your time to race that particular division, you're going to have a really stout field, uh, and it allows drivers too to to not feel they have to. Uh, you know, because a lot of times you see these tracks that make their own little rules to try and keep uh, drivers running there and not going to the next track down the road. And it sounds like these mm-hmm. promoters have done the opposite uh, and and actually tried to to work together and share. Uh, and that's uh that's boy, that is a rare concept uh, in short track racing in a region anymore. And that's uh, good on them for doing that, because I think that's only going to be to all of their benefit uh in the long run yes definitely that's great um you know one thing we haven't had a chance really to talk about is of course the go-kart side i have a i you know i kind of keep one foot in the go-kart one foot you know into the uh, dirt car world as well yeah um throughout the year with about 100 races that i do a year um, of course, Friday night, I was announcing over at Possum Kingdom Speedway in Belton, South Carolina. It's a big go-kart track where drafting comes into play. They'll yeah. line up two and three wide sometimes, almost like at Daytona. Uh, if you ever get a chance to watch that type of go-kart racing, it's very interesting. Lead changes happen usually about four or five times a lap, and it's all about your drafting partner and who you can get with and who can push and who can't. So it's it's interesting to see. Um but there was a huge event down at Low Country Cartway with the AJC series with Adam Johnson. He is a gentleman out of the Midwest who is trying to get a South series going in this area. They had a ten thousand to win event. And for go karts, ten thousand dollars is a that's lot of huge. money. I know yeah, it sounds like a lot of money. Huge. It is. Um Disco Donnie Nall picked up the win last night down there with that ten thousand dollar victory. And he's actually went out on a limb and announced that he is going to continue this type of money for his races in 2021. Um, and one of the things that I seen we talk about Tennessee reviving racetracks, Swainsboro Speedway in Georgia had their opening night last night for the first time in two years. And you want to talk about a facility. They have the best go-kart track. I'm going to say in the country i'll put it up against any single one in this country as far as landscape area grid it's the only racetrack i've ever been to they have like a big huge magnolia tree in the middle of the infield with green grass all the way around it oh wow um and of course they've got the car track as well that opened back up um, the AJ series announced that they'll be headed to Swainsboro with an event that may be at least 10,000, maybe 15,000 that night that's coming up, I believe either in May and May or June. So it's great to see tracks in Georgia also coming back and not being shuttered as well. So it's great to see stuff like that. Um, you know, Patriots Park, we talked about it earlier. It's in Georgia. Yeah. It was a racetrack that had kind of really been on the edge of being shuttered and had been closed down for a little while and came back to life. Um, actually, at the end of 2019, 2020, put a hurting on it, but it seems to be thriving down there in Georgia. And, of course, um, got to give everybody down there at West Georgia Speedway. It's under new management. It's been reconfigured. It had a great opening night last night as well, and they were done with their program by 10.30 
five and people were going home with a six class program and had close to 100 plus cars that's fantastic that should be the goal for every racetrack to be done before 11 o'clock uh to get people out of there and get them home i think that's great congratulations to those folks boy it's uh again we we've we've killed almost 45 minutes here of this uh special 300th episode of lead lap with uh, nothing but dirt track conversation and i love it uh there is so much going on with the dirt tracks in the region and uh, great to see so many tracks getting healthier, so many new series, so much new TV options on the digital side. It's it's all good, man. And uh, Walter, always appreciate you uh, keeping us up to date with what's going on. And um, we'll be talking to you again real soon. Thanks for taking some time to come on Lead Lap tonight and talk to us about all of that. Oh, no problem, Tom. Always enjoy what you do for the sport. And uh, one last thing before I hop off here, I'll say this. On the NASCAR side of things, I was at Bristol at the dirt track. I'll give it at least my seal of approval for what they did. I think they did an excellent job as well. Oh, I agree. Uh, so I'm yeah. just glad to see it all growing. Well, yeah, and it, it was, uh, I think a lot of people were scared to death of it. And uh, and I think mm-hmm. in some ways they should have been. And obviously with the uh, seven-day flood that uh, they had there, uh, you know, that didn't, help, Sunday, yeah. it, that didn't help matters uh, any at all. But uh, uh, able to get the racing in on Monday and the things that they uh, need to fine-tune uh, I'm sure they will before next year, but there will be a second, at least a second annual uh, dirt track race at Bristol in the springtime. And uh, glad that you got to go to that. I'm sure that was a lot of fun for you. That is Walter Tapp. And uh, we'll be back to wrap up this week's lead lap right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses, no problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Welcome back to Lead Lab, presented by Victory Custom Trailers. As we wrap up our 300th episode, just a couple of uh, news and nuggets here that we didn't get to yet. Wayne Hallowell Jr. and Derek Griffith each swept their end of the Pass Tour Act Tour doubleheader uh, Easter Bunny weekend at Hickory Motor Speedway this weekend. Hallowell winning both of the ACT Tour races and Derek Griffith winning both uh, races for the past National Tour. Derek's been uh, hot this spring so far. Ryan Priest led 91 of 99 laps to win the Smart Chevy 99 at South Boston for the Smart Modified Tour Chuck Hosfeld, Burt Myers, second and third in that one. Priest uh, coming out and basically cleaning their clocks. A uh, dominating run for the driver of the slick number six modified. Uh, no more races for the Smart Tour until July the 3rd when they're back at Caraway. So uh, that's going to be about a two-month break, almost three months for the Smart Modified Tour uh, before they get back in action in July. But Ryan Priest getting the win at South Boston. That was a phenomenal race for the Smart Modified Tour. 
Wow, boy, we squeezed a lot into this hour on Lead Lap. Uh, kind of a fun way to celebrate our 300th episode. We uh, hope for another 300 more. We've got some big news to announce here uh, sometime in the next two or three weeks. We'll be telling you about uh, some cool things that we've got coming up. And uh, But want to thank uh, our sponsor, VictoryCustomTrailers.com. Go check them out if you need a trailer. Also, MyComputerCareer.edu. And uh, again, thanks to the folks at WSIC for being such gracious hosts as well. Until next week, when Lead Lap returns, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. Have a great week, everybody. You've been listening to Lead Lap Radio, powered by Victory Custom Trailers, the leaders in custom trailer sales and service. Design your own custom trailer at VictoryCustomTrailers.com. Lead Lap Radio is a race chaser media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of Race Chaser Media. Thank you for listening.